Well, today we begin a new teaching series, and I won't get to say that again for a long time because we are in the book of Luke. And Luke's writings, Luke and Acts, make up the longest portion of the New Testament by a single author. And so we're going to be here for quite a while. This is the largest book that we as a church have ever tackled together. Uh, we've, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have some series within the series that will kind of break it up. For example, next or two weeks from now, uh, we will have our Advent series. We'll continue to walk through the book of Luke, but we'll be in Advent in preparation uh, for Christmas, we're going to walk through Satan and demons, so that'll be really, really fun. And uh, we'll have many other series within the series, and it'll just be a good, good, strong season for us. This is my favorite book of the Bible. I named my Italian son after it, Luca, and so uh, I'm just excited. It's going to be good. Luke is a biography of Jesus, and so essentially what we're going to do is we're just going to spend a long time looking at the, the life of Jesus and getting our eyes fixed on him. And there's a couple of things I want to encourage you to do throughout the course of this series. First of all, I want to encourage you, if you're not already, to plug into a, a connection group. Um, you know, the beginning of a new teaching series is a great time for you to plug into a group where you're going to study the scriptures together and you're going to really work these things out together. The Bible is meant to be studied in community, and so we want to encourage you to do that. Uh, the second thing I want to encourage you to do is to read through the entire book numerous times throughout the course of this teaching series. I would encourage you to maybe target to do it at least once a month to, to really press into the scriptures and read this together. And what this is going to do as we do this is it's going to help us to, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12 two tells us, calls us, commands us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we want to be a Jesus-focused, Jesus-driven, Jesus-speaking, Jesus-glorifying people. And I really believe that going through the book of Luke together is going to help to that end. And so let's go there. Luke chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1. We have Bibles around the room here if you need one. And if you don't have one at home, uh, please, we want you to keep that. We're going to start in verse 1, and we're just going to walk right through it. We treasure the Word of God. Uh, we love going straight through books of the Bible, and by doing so, we're kind of forced to tackle whatever comes up. We can't just skip the hard stuff, and so it keeps us from just going to the comfortable, easy stuff. It keeps me from getting on a, a soapbox, and in our short history of a church, uh, as a church, we have tackled already a number of books. We've, we've tackled Philemon, Ruth, Mark, Proverbs, Philippians, Psalms, James, Jonah, Nehemiah, First Peter, and now the book of Luke. All of those are podcasted for you, by the way, if you want to go and, and catch up on some of those. But walking through these, we're going to cover all kinds of topics, and the same goes with Luke here. And so let's see what comes up today as we get into uh, the book of Luke. Let's read verses 1 through 4. He says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things which you have been taught. One sentence. One tightly constructed, eloquently written, massively informative sentence. It tells us a ton about our author here. Our author's name is Luke. Now, as we look through what we just read, we never actually see the name Luke. We do get me, 
See, when Paul pens his letters, he tells us up front, here's my name, I am Paul. Hello, it's, it's Paul. Luke doesn't do that. So how do we know that it's Luke? Well, we do know that, that Luke and Acts are written by the, the same person. Both of them are addressed to this man named Theophilus, lover of God. And in the first uh, six words of the book of Acts, it says this. It says, uh, in the first book, O Theophilus, and so we've got the same recipient of the letters, we've got the, the same author, uh, we've got part one, we've got part two, part one being the story of Jesus, part two being the story of Jesus through the church. Both of them are originally written in Greek in this very identical, super skillful style Luke and, and Acts. And in Acts, the author will frequently talk about the Apostle Paul's missionary journeys with the words, we and us. We did this. We did that. Uh, we met him. We met her. Uh, they were waiting for us here. And all the way then to the very last chapter of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 28 verse 16. Here's what it says. It says, And when we came to Rome, that's where we know that Paul was executed. When we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. And so Paul went to, to Rome along with the author of this gospel and Acts. And in Paul's very last letter in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, here's what it says. It says, Paul says, All have deserted me. Luke alone is with me. And so who is the other of the us-we duo throughout the book of Luke and Acts? It's, it's Luke. So that's our author. Now, what do we know about Luke? We know about Luke because of Colossians chapter 4.14 that he is a physician. He's a, he's a medical doctor. He's a highly educated man. This is confirmed by, as we look at the original language in the Greek, it's very impressive Greek language. He's a high, highly educated man. His thesis statement, verses 1 through 4, just an amazingly beautifully written uh, Greek uh, sentence. It's, it's incredible. Uh, we can also conclude from Luke, from what we know, that he is a, a very faithful man, a very loyal man of God, based on the fact that Paul says, Everybody left me, but one person hung in there with me other than Jesus, and his name is Luke. And so Luke would have traveled the world with Paul along his, his missionary journeys. He was a part of the core team for many church plants that Paul uh, planted. Uh, of course, all along the way, Luke would be using his skills as a medical doctor throughout his travels. Now, you can't be a doctor and, and travel without using your skills, right? Any of you, some of you doctors in here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You can't hang around my family for very long without me bringing a bloody child to you and going, so what do you think? Stitches or a dangling arm? What do you think? Broken? And, 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 and so the same thing goes with, with Luke. He's using his skills. So let me ask you guys a question. What are your not so spiritual skills that you get to bring to the table, to the proverbial table, the Lord's table, the family table, the church. Some of you have experience in, in finance, and you can jump in on finance team. Some of you have experience in family and child development, and you can work with children. Some of you are social workers, and you can help us with our ministry 
uh, in, in housing development. Some of you are techie, and we have websites and podcasts and, and blogs and social media, and you can help us reach people online. Some of you are, are artists, and art is a wonderful way to glorify the Lord. It's a wonderful way to tell uh, the story of what God is doing in our midst through photos, through graphic design, through music, all kinds of things. Some of you are mechanically inclined, and we always got stuff breaking around here. And, 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 and see, you can use your skills for the kingdom, even your not-so-spiritual ones. And the, the, uh, this man of God, Luke, does the, the same. Now, Paul and his missionary team, as you read the story of Paul and the team throughout the book of Acts, you see that Paul got beat up. They were shipwrecked, snake-bitten, uh, left for dead, homeless, uh, in prison. And so do you think Luke was using his medical skills while he traveled with them? Yeah, absolutely, he was using his medical skills. And that's a great example for every single one of us. Use whatever skills God has given you for the kingdom. Ministry in the church and the expansion of that. So we know there are spiritual gifts given to every single believer. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. And you need to exercise those. And then you also just have some skills that you've learned and picked up along the way. And for Luke, that skill was medicine. Now, here at Charles River Church, I want you to know that we believe that science and faith can coexist. I know the world wants to tell you that they are at odds with each other, but they're not. Luke is a, he, he's a Gentile. His name is a, a Gentile name, meaning he is a, a non-Jew. So he, he wasn't raised going to church or going to, to, to synagogue. He, he, he's a non-Jew. He wasn't reading the Bible from a, a young age. And I know that that's many of you. But God moved upon your heart, oppressed upon your heart, and, and you've come to, to faith. He's not uh, predisposed to believing this stuff. He's not looking for the fulfillment of the Old Testament because of family tradition. No, that's, that's not him. He's just a, a smart guy, educated guy, not born into this stuff. And he comes to believe that Jesus is God. He, he, he's a, now a man of God. I'll never forget uh, the, the first doctor that delivered uh, our children, our, our very first uh, uh, doctor to, to deliver our, our first child was... Um, just a wonderful, uh, she was a woman of God. And I remember at every appointment, we'd be talking about the Lord and talking about what God's doing and in our, our church families. It was just really a, a great privilege to have uh, somebody who, who, who follows the science, studies the science, and also loves the Lord. They can coexist. We have people within our own church family who are highly educated in the sciences and who also believe deeply in the Lord. We had a guy in our church family who was on the cover of Psychology Today because of some of his resources, uh, research. Uh, my boy Josh right here was on ESPN uh, last week hauling a Boston Celtic off of the court because uh, he's an orthopedic surgeon, had to go do some work. Luke shows us that science and, and education and faith can coexist. If you have a strong mind like Luke, use it for the mission of Jesus. Luke certainly does that. And you have some skills that you can use for the mission of Jesus. And I want us to see that we can use our skills and our minds for the kingdom, they can coexist together. Now, along with traveling uh, around with Paul, 
and, and, and serving Paul and probably acting as an attending physician for the ministry team. He uses his intellect for something else along the way, doesn't he? What else, what else is, is Luke doing along the way? You know, just a side project, writing half the New Testament. That's what he's doing along the way. He, he, he's, he's writing, right? He's, he's writing and, and researching. And, and what is he writing? Not many books of the scriptures will explicitly write up front, say, here is my purpose, here is why I am writing. But Luke does. Look at verse 4. He says, I'm writing so that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So he's working on this massive project, this massive undertaking in order to provide for his friend Theophilus and in order to provide for you and me with what? With certainty about Jesus. Was Luke in it for fame? No, he wasn't in it for fame. Was he doing it so that he could get published and have that under his resume? No. He says, I'm doing it for you so that you can have certainty. In fact, he doesn't even give us his name, does he? We have to chase him down to figure out who in the world wrote this book. Luke is just this faithful, humble man of God who loved serving Jesus, wanted to serve his mission, and wanted to serve the kingdom for generations ahead. He just wants to make much of Jesus. He wanted to point people to Jesus, to point people to the Lord. And we know a little bit more about Luke outside of uh, the scripture, just from some extra biblical tradition and, and accounts. Uh, we read that, uh, you know, early widespread tradition says that he was a disciple of the apostles. And so he himself didn't interact with Jesus or see Jesus, but the apostles did, and he was a disciple of the apostles. Uh, we see that he followed Paul around all the way to his martyrdom. We, we, we get from extra-biblical tradition that he was never married, never had children, so that he could travel, he could immerse himself in the mission and work very closely with the ministry teams. He sacrifices a ton for the kingdom, doesn't he? And then also these outside sources. Here's a quote. says, He died at the age of 84, full of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? Died at the age of 84. I mean... In those days, that was a pretty old man. Did pretty well to last that long. He was a physician, knew how to take care of himself. One thing you'll see about Luke, as it says how he died, he's full of the Holy Spirit. Luke is deeply concerned with God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He talks about the Holy Spirit more than other gospel uh, writers. Uh, We see the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus, empowering him uh, for his earthly ministry at his baptism. We see throughout the life of Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Uh, When Jesus dies, resurrects, and ascends, he writes the book of Acts, which is about the Holy Spirit serving through uh, working through his people, the, the, the church. And then we read, Luke dies full of the Holy Spirit. I love that, don't you? Don't you want that to be said of you? I didn't kind of flame out at the end, but I, I went all the way hard to the end and died full of the Holy Spirit. Now that's, that's Luke. Now who is this other guy, this guy Theophilus? Who, who is he? Notice the title that is given to Theophilus by Luke. He calls him what? calls him Most Excellent Theophilus in, in verse 3. Now this title is significant because it, it gives us some insight into who this man Theophilus is. Uh, therefore, uh, into Luke's writing of the book and purpose of the book. Uh, the, the title is later given in, in the book of Acts uh, by the Apostle Paul uh, when speaking of the most excellent 
Felix, who was this Roman governor of uh, Judea, and then Felix's replacement, most excellent Festus. And so what this tells us is that this title is reserved for a government official or a person of high social status. And so Theophilus uh, is, is a man of means. He, he's a man of, of status, or at least he has access to means. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a lofty person in that society. And so Theophilus here uh, is, is someone who's, who's pretty important, and Luke is writing for him. We, we see that he has been taught about Jesus Christ, it says. He, he's heard the buzz about Jesus. We don't know to what extent, but he's been taught some things about Jesus, that people are saying that Jesus is God, Jesus did miracles, Jesus died, he, he rose again, he came back to life. And, and, and Luke compiles these accounts in order to, to give Theophilus certainty. Yes, you've heard all this stuff. Now I want you to know that you can know that you can know that you can be certain that he, in fact, is the Lord and this stuff is, in fact, true. Now, Theophilus being a man of means and access to, to power, we, we can imagine likely funded Luke to do the research and to publish the, the book. Theophilus uh, didn't go and find a Jewish person who, again, was predisposed to uh, following the Lord, wasn't predisposed and really out there looking for the, the Messiah. He didn't go to a Jew. He went to a fellow Gentile, somebody who thought was okay, rationally thinking, not predisposed to God, highly educated. We're going to Luke. Now, for us as a church, we're, we're a church in highly educated Boston. And for us seasonally as, as a church, we have visiting professors, visiting doctoral students, postdoc students, uh, researchers, and, and they're working through the, the hospitals, through Harvard, through Olin, BU, BC, Northeastern. And many of them are living off of and doing research off of uh, grants that they get their hands on. And this is, is kind of how I imagine Luke. He, he's working off of a grant from most excellent Theophilus. And, and as was ancient tradition, very common, he opens up the book acknowledging his benefactor who funded the book, much like somebody would do if, if they wrote a book. They'd say, I want to acknowledge so-and-so who funded this and gave me the ability to do the research. Or, or I wrote this play and I wanted to acknowledge so-and-so. Or I have this piece of art and I had to take time to do it and I want to acknowledge my benefactor. I imagine Theophilus to be the, the benefactor. He paid for the traveling expenses, probably paid for the parchments uh, to write on. Those weren't cheap. Probably paid to have the parchments transported. You know, he couldn't just back them up to the cloud back then. So he's carrying all this stuff around. Luke had to eat. Colossians 4.14, he was a physician. But in order to get all this written and researched in the short amount of time that he did before the eyewitnesses died off, he had to probably cease his practice. He's traveling with Paul and he had to eat. He's probably being partially funded by Theophilus there. We are indebted as believers to this man, Theophilus, because of this work. We are indebted to him because of his contribution to the kingdom of God. He would have known that I'm not just doing this for myself, just to get certainty for myself. He must have known that his funding and his support and, and commissioning Luke to do this would have documented some things and made this uh, historically clear and verifiable, and it would then span history. He, he had to have known that. Now, let me say this. I want to say this to, to all of us. God has put before every single one of us an opportunity to invest in something that will 
span history. That is the kingdom of God. Every single one of us. But by, by God's grace, in the early days of our church, we have had people from all over the country invest in the work here. We've seen a number of people come to faith in Jesus. Many of you have come to faith in Jesus. Many of you have been strengthened in your faith in Jesus. Many of you have come back to Jesus, largely because people outside of here have invested in what we're up to here. Invested essentially in my life and in your Life. They invested in the kingdom of God. Many of them will, will never, ever meet you. But I get to write them letters. I get to go visit them. I get to call them. I get to Skype with them and say, this is what God is up to. These are the lives that are being changed because you invested in Boston. Your investment spans into eternity. Many of you are going to be living forever with Christ because other people invested in your life. So my invitation to all of us here is to invest in the kingdom of God. Invest yourself, your skills, your effort, your time, and your money like Theophilus into the kingdom of God. If you have not taken steps to begin to invest, I want to challenge you to do so. We we learn a little bit more about this uh, from Jesus himself here in this book. In Luke chapter 12, verse 33, listen Listen to what he says here. He says, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your what? There your heart will be also. What is Jesus saying? He is saying, listen, let's put our money into a purse that does not have holes. Let's put our money in a bank that cannot get robbed. Let's put our money into stuff that lasts longer than our clothes that will get eaten by moths. Invest your money, Jesus says, in the kingdom of God. Because your money essentially goes where your heart is, right? You can look at your checkbook. We don't do those anymore. You can look at your online register. And you can see a little bit of what's going on in your heart. And some would say, well, I'm not Theophilus. Anybody ever said, if I was rich, I would really help some people out. (laughs) Anybody? I'm not Theophilus. I'm not loaded. Well, isn't the Bible full of people who had very, very little and who gave much? And God honors them. And God is in the business of multiplying little effort. Doesn't he? he? I love how God does it. He just takes the little bit and he multiplies it. I remember when I was in college and I was scraping by. And when I say scraping by, I mean scraping by, right? Uh, scraping by. And, and I remember uh, I was paying for school by myself. I was uh, working like three part-time jobs. I was traveling up and down the East Coast, preaching at, at, at these little churches and, and, and going to school during the day, delivering pizza till late at night, like 20 plus hours a week. And I was just barely scraping by. But God just stirred my heart, Josh. You have no money, but you got to give. You, you got to give. And so here's how poor I was. We, my, my meals, this is one of the perks of delivering pizzas, was my meal uh, were mistake pizzas, we called them. So if somebody ordered sausage and mushroom, and somebody, and I can't say it wasn't on purpose sometimes, accidentally, instead of sausage, put hamburger on there and sent it through the oven, oh no, it's the wrong kind of pizza. Guess what I'm eating for three days? Mushroom in Hamburg, 
pizza for breakfast, lunch, and, and dinner. I mean, I was scraping, scraping by barely. When my paychecks came in, when my tips came in, 10% went to the Lord. When I got money in for my birthday, 10% went to the Lord. When I got a tax return of $200, I thought I was like rolling in the dough. I had just won the lottery. 10% going to the Lord. As a broke, as a joke college student, I just remember vivid memories of being up and down the East Coast at different little churches where I was preaching at and with such joy in my heart, dropping just a little bit of money, but a lot of money to me, into a basket or into a plate and just feeling the sense of joy, like I'm participating in kingdom expansion. And it wasn't big money, trust me. No pastor had me on speed dial. Just a little bit, but God... God used it. And for me, college students, it set a pattern in my heart, developed a habit in my life so that today our plan has been to to give a little bit more every single year. God expects his people to be a part of investing in the, the mission in the, the, the kingdom, making investments that span history. That's Theophilus. Theophilus was a, a giver, and we are indebted to him for this work. And we are indebted to Luke for this work and for the book of Acts, also addressed to Theophilus. And together, Luke and Theophilus contribute the largest number of verses of any author in the New Testament. Now, So many people take these first four verses of the book of Luke, as I have, and just go straight to the apologetics. Let's use this to argue for the faith. But I read these and I see people who discovered unique ways that they can contribute to the kingdom of God. And so how about you? How how can you contribute to the kingdom of God? Giving? That should be all believers. That's pretty clear. Not just the Theophilus's. Skills, what skills has God given you that you can invest into the kingdom? Positioning, Luke was positioned right up against the Apostle Paul and he could serve the team probably with his uh, medical skills. Theophilus had clearly some kind of influence in the land, probably in in, in Rome and he used that. He even hooks uh, Luke up with some connections, I imagine, to Herodian leadership of the day so that Luke could get some of the information that the other gospel writers did not get. What about you? Where has God placed you like Theophilus was placed or like Luke was placed? Some of you, you're placed in a school. The worst feeling ever for me, walking out the doors of a school my senior year, both high school and college, and thinking, man, I could have better invested in my life. Some of you, it's a school. Some of you, it's your home, of course. Some of you, it's a park that you frequent and you have influence there. Some of you, it's an office space. Some of you, it's a a hospital. It's a neighborhood. It's an apartment complex. Uh, It's a civic organization. Uh, Some of you have have close proximity to a specific set of needs that you see and you're there. But where are you positioned? Where does God have you positioned? So we could go straight to apologetics, but I think we do need to slow down and say, okay, look at these two men who God gave them some unique skills, some unique positioning, some unique opportunities, and they used it for kingdom expansion. 
Their reality, their station in life was used for the mission of Jesus. And your reality, your station in life is not by coincidence. As much as you hate what's going on in your life right now, some of you, God has you there for a reason and God wants to do a great work through you. And you have to use this time, these resources, these skills, this positioning for the kingdom of God. And they did. And they contribute to the scriptures. Ultimately, it's God the Holy Spirit speaking through them. But they contribute massively. Now, where one would expect we'd go with this passage, how did they do it? They do it through investigative reporting, don't they? Theophilus had Luke, funded Luke, to, to travel around and to compile reliable evidence that would make or break the case for the historical Jesus. And I say break, too, because, listen, Luke had to tell the truth. Luke had to say exactly what came up. Listen, even though Theophilus seems to be his buddy, he's also some kind of man of position and means. If Luke fudged some things a little bit, Theophilus finds out it would possibly be off with Luke's head. He does have that kind of power, right? Most excellent Theophilus. So Luke tells the truth, and it can either make or break the case for the historical Jesus. And we see, deeply believe, that it makes the case for the historical Jesus. We read that Theophilus was lacking certainty. Now, we can assume that Theophilus is either a a skeptic, so he's heard some stories about Jesus. He says, I don't know, I want to figure this out. Or he's a believer, but has some questions. And simultaneously says, and I can make some big contributions. That's where I tend to think he, he is. And many of you are in one of these two positions. Some of you are you're, you're straight up a skeptic. I don't know. I'm here. I'm exploring. Good for you. Press on with that. Right? You're, you're a skeptic. That's where he could have been. Or some of you, you're a believer, but you have questions. Listen, it is completely okay to have questions. Don't ever think that this is not the place for questions. You can have questions questions we like people with questions we want to answer questions we do not want you to be the person that just hey shut up and listen that is not our heart that's no good for you because then when life gets tough or the questions get too heavy you'll just split we want to encourage you now start to ask questions i'm doing that with my kids all ready right now he's going to help provide certainty so that theophilus can take an informed step. Listen, not a blind leap of faith. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Raise your hand. You ever heard that phrase? That, that, that this is a blind leap? Like there's a cloud over there. I think maybe there's something solid I can land. If I just jump and hopefully Jesus will catch me. I don't know. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about not a leap, but an informed step. Faith is a gift from God. And then you do your part in, 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 in exploring and studying and seeing. But ultimately, God's going to give you that confidence. You can take that step forward. And, and so Luke uh, is helping Theophilus to have that certainty. He says, okay, Theophilus, here's what I'm going to do for you. To help you discern what you have already been taught about Jesus, I'm going to do some investigative r- reporting. And, and look at the text. He says, many people have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have happened Uh, among us so there have been other people also compiling narratives of the life of jesus how many gospels do we have four gospels matthew mark luke and john four records of the life of jesus we have matthew speaks uh, from a jewish perspective we have mark speaks 
to a Roman perspective. Luke uh, speaks to a Gentile perspective. John speaks to the, the, the Greek perspective. And, and when this is being written, Matthew and Mark have already been written. Many of Paul's letters have already been written. And, and so there have been others who have undertaken to compile a, a narrative. But Luke says, but it seems good for me also. I'm going to also make my contribution. I'm going to help you out, Theophilus. seems good for me also to use my skills towards expanding the, the kingdom. He says, uh, verse 3, he says here, uh, followed all things closely for some time past and compiled an orderly account. So what has Luke done? He's followed the details, all things closely for some time past. He just kind of half-heartedly, you know, like you do the night before research papers do. You know, you're like up pulling all the night and you're just scrapping. He followed all things closely for some time past. He compiles it together after very, very careful research and makes an orderly account. His account is fully in chronological order. A couple minor exceptions. Other gospels will compile based on uh, theological themes. He goes straight through chronological order, makes an orderly account. It must have taken a substantial length of time based on how much information is packed into uh, this book. But he compiles an orderly account. Now, what are his sources as we read here? Well, he says some of these are, are ministers of the word. Those would be the disciples turned apostles of Jesus who walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus day in and day out. Now they're, they're middle-aged men and, and Luke records their, their testimony. We also know that Luke would have borrowed from Matthew and Mark and, and then re-corroborated their stories. He wouldn't just say, okay, let me take some of your book and take some of your book. No, he would have re-corroborated the stories, did very careful because his neck is on the line, right? Careful Careful research. Others, we see he, he, he gathers eyewitness testimony, right? So like Mary, you can imagine. Now an old woman, he could have sat down with Mary and she would have conveyed to Luke, here's what happened. And much, most of what we know about the Christmas story came from Luke likely sitting down, getting eyewitness testimony from Mary. Mary saying, oh, I have the lyrics to that song I wrote right here. Magnificent, right? Beautiful. Luke also, as I said before, seemed to have some kind of access to Herodian leadership, probably because of most excellent Theophilus and his influence, getting him connections so that he could sit down with people of, of power and in high places. Luke also would have gathered all kinds of eyewitness testimony. Some borrowed from other sources and reread through them, restudied them, and corroborated them again. And then some of these, Luke interviewed himself. Can you imagine the kind of adventures that Luke went on? I mean, he, he, I see him as a real-life Indiana Jones, this guy, Luke. He didn't just sit in his office with books all around him and just write out these documents, shooting emails. Would you shoot me some sources? He wasn't able to do that. 60% of Matthew, Mark, and Luke are shared in common, and we should expect that. There should be some overlap, of course. They're recording the life of Jesus. This is all shared in common. But Luke has 41 different parts that are unique to Luke, yet not contradictory to the other gospel accounts. How did he get those 41 parts? Dun, 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 dun. That's how, right? He, he sat down after an adventure with the Herodian leadership. He would have traveled to meet with eyewitnesses. He would have heard about the story of the shepherds uh, that's unique to Luke, probably from Mary, and then said, I got to go to Bethlehem. And, and now to these old, old men in this little town, Bethlehem. So here's what Mary told me. Tell me what you saw. And they said, oh, 
wow, the sky was filled with angels. It was like nothing I've ever seen. It was like armies of, of, of angels. Luke is at this very unique window in history, decades now after Jesus died, resurrected, and ascended. And the eyewitnesses are starting to, to die off, and he has to capture their testimony before they die off or they're gone forever. If his gospel was released any later, if it was released any later, he could have just made it up. And there would have been no one else around who could refute him, right? But because he did it while they were still alive, you could go check the sources and somebody would have to step up and say, that is absolutely not true. I'm going to write this out. We're going to publish this and it's going to contradict. And there goes the Christian faith. That's why dates are so important, so important. You remember the Da Vinci Code? Can you believe it's been a decade now since the Da Vinci Code? I'm an old man, old man. And remember when the Da Vinci Code came out and you go to Barnes and Noble and now suddenly again there's the Gospel of Thomas being republished or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene being published. They never went anywhere. Why? Because there were some real issues with their, their dating, right? And some real inconsistencies throughout. They were never corroborated with eyewitnesses. Thomas never even really wrote the gospel according to Thomas. But Luke says, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to corroborate stories. And I'm going to do this funded by my friend Theophilus. I better do this right or he's going to have my neck. And he does this great work, great research, a lot of effort, a lot of money spent so that we could sit here today reading the very words of God inspired by people and their stories, written and collaborated and, and, and brought together by Luke. It's an amazing, amazing gift that we have the life of Jesus right here in our hands. And so let me ask you, do you struggle with what to do with Jesus? I have some questions. I've studied this. I know a little bit. Or maybe I've just heard some things. Or maybe grandma told me about it. I want to encourage you to follow the example of Theophilus. And that is to press in. Don't just kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah, I got some, some questions. I mean, the claims heaven and hell and one Lord, those are too big a deal to just kind of take lightly. We have to press in. Now is the time. It demands some investigation, right? And you investigate and you follow the evidence wherever it leads. And by joining us throughout this series, you're doing just that. Follow the example of Theophilus. I want to encourage you in that. Follow the example of Theophilus. Others of us in here, you have placed your faith in Jesus. You love Jesus. You're, you're following Jesus. And you have some Theophiluses in your life. And that's why you need to press in. Maybe faith has come a little bit easier for you. Predisposed, maybe. Maybe God grants you the gift. He just opened your eyes earlier, whatever it is. Maybe it comes a little easier for you, but you do have some Theophiluses in your life. And I want to encourage you for that reason to press in. To help them to find certainty. Start by praying for them. Start by speaking to them. Start by listening and hearing what questions they have. Don't be afraid of not knowing the answer. I don't even know all the answers. I'm a pastor. I went to seminary. And sometimes I'd say, let me get back to you. Let me go do some research. That's okay. I know the answer's out there. 
Our faith wouldn't have gone this far and expanded this much and and not been uh, refuted with this many authors in one book. If the answers aren't there, I'm going to go find the answers for you. You do that. Pray, speak, listen, research, because you have some Theophiluses in your life. Luke does that. Why? So that he could be famous and write a book? No. Doesn't even give us his name. Humble man. Is it so that you can feel better about yourself? Wow, I'm so smart. I have all the answers. No. You run the risk of looking kind of foolish, and that's okay. It's not about you. It's not about me. Who's it about? The book is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about expanding his kingdom by using what God has given you faithfully, humbly, sacrificially, selflessly so that the name of Jesus can be made famous here in Boston and beyond. Let me pray to that end. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we're sitting here holding a book of the scripture that we can so easily take for granted. And we understand that you moved through some sacrificial people so that we might sit here and read with certainty eyewitness testimony, historically verifiable, Thank you, Lord. God, I pray that we as your people would be about using our gifts, our skills for your kingdom, much like Luke and Theophilus. God, show us what that looks like for us. Lord, would you be stirring our hearts, giving us ideas, helping us be increasingly creative, about our skills, our our gifts, our positioning, our relationships, our social networks. God, help us to be mindful of these things so that we can know where you have us, why you have us there, and how we can do it for your glory and span eternity as we see lives change. God, would you take our measly efforts and make much of Jesus? Help us to be humble. Help us to be bold and to press forward when we have questions ourselves at times. Help us to have those questions answered and help us to be faithful to you. I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.